singleness, marriage, the family. I am I'm really excited about it. I'm a little nervous about it this morning, so but but I'm anticipating God. God's going to communicate truth in a way that we all need to hear, that I certainly need to hear in my relationship. So the series, The Way of Jesus and Family and Relationships, is all predicated on Christ's esteem. It's actually based on that. Uh, If you have maybe one gray hair, you know that your hard attitude will make or break any relationship. Just your attitude, where your heart is. You know, the, the state of your emotions and if you get a bad attitude with a good person a bad attitude with a good person can destroy that relationship a good attitude with a bad person can make a meaningful relationship hard attitude is everything so proverbs eighteen twenty one: death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit the fact is what we say matters and and what we say has the power to bring life to someone or to destroy and kill something inside of someone. And our words are very, very powerful. So with that in mind, I want to pray. We're going to jump in. Abba, Father, thank you so much for what you're doing. Would you please bless and please encourage us right now to understand your heart on speech, what it means to follow the way of your son, please. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so uh, I want to remind you of this. This is from the work of Jay Anderson in his study of the impact of the family. It is, to me, one of the most important quotes I've come across in some time. Children living with their biological, excuse me, living with their married biological parents consistently have better physical, emotional, and academic well-being. Pediatricians and society should promote the family structure that has the best chance of producing healthy children. The best scientific literature to date suggests that, with the exception of parents, Faced with unresolvable marital violence, children fare better with their parents who work at maintaining their marriage. Consequently, society should make every effort to support healthy marriages and to discourage married couples from divorcing. That is absolutely brilliant information coming out of um, the U.S. National Library of Medical uh, Medicine and National Institutes of Health. It's an authoritative resource, and I think it's something that we must, the church, must take very, very seriously. Um, so let's, let's dig into this just a bit. Let's start with this. Um, what is communication? How would you define it? Uh, Robert Fortner says this, and he's a Christian, a dynamic symbolic process by which people in dialogue construct the meanings and share the emotions through which they understand value and live in society, and by which they both behave and justify their behavior. And I really like that line. I think that's important in communication because what we, when we talk, we are in essence justifying how we behave, what we do, what we say, and we're trying to do so with our words. Jesus said, you will be judged by your words. And I think that's a really, really good definition. So let's start with this, how we, how we form concepts, how we articulate values, and how we impose those on other people in relationship. Let's start with this. What about gender? What about gender? Does, does uh, maleness and femaleness have something to do with how we communicate? Let's look at some of these things regarding gender. Um, the, the first comment I want to make regarding gender, that this is foundational to my research and writing, 
And my comment is going to be based on the work of Dr. Manny. This is what he said in, in a, an extensive analysis of differences in gender, sexual differences. This is what he said. There are only 3% of males who are more female-like than the average female. Only 3%. There are only 2% of females who are more male-like than males. And this is because of biology, not psychology. Does that make sense? In other words, the idea that we have gender fluidity and, and it's on this crazy linear uh, pattern and gender can go in any way it wants, no, it can't. This is biology. This, this is medical science. And so the fact is, uh, we are designed by God, and, and the, the genetic code is, is very, very clear that males are masculine and that females are feminine. And outside of some very unusual biological anomalies, that is the case, all right? So when I make comments about masculinity or males or females and femininity, please understand, I, under, I get that there are some males that move toward the feminine side, the feminine side of the spectrum. I get that. There's some sissy guys out there, if you want to use that language. Or there's some guys, you know, they just don't play football. They're not into tools and axes and guns and have no desire to get deer. And there's some women that do, and they can out bass fish and, and out hunt the average guy. And that is okay. We're not, exactly. You know, <laughs> Tina, the tool woman, not just Tim, the tool man. And it's okay. But that doesn't mean culturally, if you like to throw an axe and get a deer and, and you look great in makeup and curling your hair, and this, this girl, that doesn't mean you cease being a woman or you, you cease being female. That's a cultural thing, all right? So we're going to deal, deal with some gender issues in, in communication. But I wanted to lay that base layer down that we are talking about the fact that, that 97 to 98% of everybody around us, the males are male and females are female, and we don't need to make assumptions that, uh, about some kind of a gender fluidity concept in our culture. That there's really no medical, scientific, biological basis for that. So, all right, what about, what about males and females on communication? Uh, by the way, that graphic with the guy with the beard and the curly mustache, is, does that not do something for your heart, guys? Does that not stir something deep within the male ego? I thought that was great. So it makes me want to like cut a tree down or, or, or something, eat bacon. The, uh, this, is, this is clear data that I find fascinating. University of Pennsylvania demonstrate this, that the male brain, and some of you girls are going to chuckle. You already know this, right? The male brain is literally wired for one hemisphere activity. It functions typically in the left hemisphere most of the time. The female brain, as ladies, you know this, is designed for inner hemispheric connectivity. A woman can access the left and the right side of the brain far more efficiently than the average male. It's just medical fact, all right? Male brains have stronger connections within a single cerebral hemisphere as opposed to the woman who has higher levels of connectivity in both hemispheres. Now, typically, this is what's going on. The left brain is logic. Left logic, right relationship. That's a good way to think of it. 
left logic, right relationships, a lot of emotions are processed on the right side of the brain. Uh, certainly they're processed on the left side too. There's no hard and fast rule about that. But for the most part, left logic, right relationship, right emotion. That's just a good way to nail it down. Uh, women use both sides of the brain to respond to emotional experiences while men just use one side. Women use both sides of their hemispheres to process emotional things where men tend to use one, okay? So ladies, do you hear an echo here? Have you ever had the sense in which you're trying to communicate with your dad, uh, a boyfriend, uh, your spouse, a son, and you're trying to communicate things at a deep heart level and they're looking at you like a calf looking at a gate on the farm and, and you, you realize this male standing in front of you has no concept of what you're thinking and what you're feeling. And in the woman's heart, that great gender divide causes about a Grand Canyon-sized misunderstanding, and the female feels very alone at that moment because that male in her life doesn't get her. And she can be very upset at that and feel detached and feel lonely. Dr. Luann uh, Brizendine, she is a neuropsychiatrist and educated out of Berkeley. Her, if, you watch, if you watch YouTube, click out her TED Talk. It's, it's great. She begins her TED Talk by talking about back in, in, the, in the heyday when it was the feminist movement and women were protesting all things male and she was caught up in that. And so she's at Berkeley, one of the epicenters of liberalism, cultural liberalism. And so she decides to go to med school. And guess what? She was, she was all set to prove how wrong males are and how right women are. And when she went to med school, it all flipped. And she realized that there are unique things about the female brain and there are unique things about the male brain. And this whole idea of feminism uh, has a flawed some flawed assumptions behind it. It's really great to hear her walk through that, her own journey of just being accountable with medical facts and what it means to communicate as a male or communicate as a female. This is what Luann said in simple terms. Regarding the brains of males, their, their brains or the connecting routes are kind of like country roads. Females, superhighways. <laughs> That's what she said. She's a neuropsychiatrist, okay? This gal knows her stuff. The male brain is like country roads just kind of wander about up in there in the back roads and, you know, dust flying behind the pickup truck. But the woman is uh, cruising on a super highway. Higher levels of cortical connectivity in the female brain, which is amazing. Um, a lot of people have protested some things about this research, but um, MR, MR, using MRI technology at Oxford, okay, one of the top three most significant universities in the world, they demonstrated at Oxford that the corpus callosum, now let me get my, my pointer out here, the corpus callosum, this, this uh, organ right here that's in red, that is the connecting fiber between the left and right hemisphere. It's AT&T, so the left brain can talk to the right brain. The, the corpus callosum in the female is larger and more efficient than that in the male brain. She can access the right side and the left side on that super highway and make conclusions, and the guy is still going, uh, wait, what, what? 
one plus one is two. Okay, got it. Plus, what? Whoa, slow down. Linear logic of the male and the female is already working through things at both a logic and an emotional level. Uh, it's called a female intuition. <laughs> you may have heard of that. This is real stuff. And that female intuition can be extremely frustrating to the male and very intimidating to the male. And it certainly can be frustrating to the female because here we go again, she feels like she's not understood and the male just can't get her. It's a common, common struggle that uh, occurs when, when males and females try to communicate. Based on speech, uh, infant girls, this is interesting, uh, based on visual perception, infant girls respond more readily to faces and begin talking earlier. Boys, little boys, they notice that things are spatially different. They're getting the structure of the room in a particular toy. And that's just little bitty toddlers, little kids. How that plays out in adulthood is this. Women remain, even as adults, women are more oriented to faces and men to things. You've already known that. Women orient to faces, men to things. Women are feelers, men are watchers. You know, men can do this. You give them an object and a button to push and they can sit there for hours and just do this. Stanford University found this. This is amazing. They were doing what's called an fMRI, a functional magnetic resonance image of male brains and female brains. This is what they discovered. While showing males very emotional images and then watching brain activity and then showing the same images to females and watching their brain activity, guess what? When a female brain saw an emotional image, nine areas of her brain lit up. Guess how many lit up in the male brain? Two. <laughs> Just two. <laughs> Just two, right? It's fascinating how the female brain feels things, senses things, and reads things. And then we, we, we guys uh, get so upset sometimes at our wives. Now, um, at the number one rated university in the world at Cambridge, Dr. Barone Cohen says this. He summarizes that women's brains wire them to be an empathizer. Women can read faces and check this out, judge character better than men. Women can judge character better than men, all right? And they have capacity for empathy like nobody's business. Males, though, they like to systemize. They want to know how it works. They want to take it apart, put it back together. They think things, uh, think in spatial terms. This is what goes on with the male and female brain. The male brain is hardwired for understanding and building systems. They want to figure out things and how they work and then create order. Brizendine, Dr. Brizendine also said this, by the way, about speech. Girls speak two to three times more words per day than boys. Than boys. Girls are more verbal than boys at an earlier age. However, uh, it is argued that a lot of that data is skewed in adults. Like, for example... Um, it is argued that females might speak 50,000 words a day and males 7,000 words a day, and that, in fact, is not true. That is not true. 
that, n- that the number disparity is way, 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 way lower. Um, okay. Let's do this. Um, now that you're getting some things about the female brain, the male brain, by the way, just a couple comments here. This, these three zones, dorsal, lateral, ventromedial, orbital, frontal, these zones in the prefrontal cortex of the brain are absolutely the smartest parts of your brain. And it's in those zones in your brain that you're going to be able to discover and have your most meaningful relationships. Okay? If these go offline, you're in trouble in your relationships. Let me explain. Have any of you had uh, a fight with your spouse? Okay, that's rhetorical, don't raise your hand. You've had a fight with your spouse and your male husband, who's very male, is upset at you and he wants an answer. One and one is two, come on, this is not hard. This is logic, give me an answer now. And what happens to the female? She locks up and can't talk. That is because, in the, again, in the female brain, there's actually, uh, one physician says, the female brain is wired to have conflict aversion. You know what that means? She wants everybody to just get along. Why can't we get along? That's all I want, you know? The female brain wants that. And there's a conflict aversion kind of wiring in this empathetic female brain. Well, because of that, and when the husband starts yelling, guess what she does? She can't talk. The forebrain shuts down. She's in stress response. And those outer cortical zones of the brain where we do speech, speech production, speech interpretation, they go offline. Midbrain fires up. She's under threat. The, the smart part comes, off, comes down, goes offline. She can't talk. And what does the husband say that's really brilliant at that moment? <laughs> Why won't you answer me? And he just gets louder, and the finger gets a little more pointed, and he is pushing and pressing and demanding an authoritative response. And he's only making the problem worse. All right. When that midbrain goes online and the forebrain comes offline, you cannot have meaningful conversation, period. You've got to cool down before you can do that again. All right, let's look at this. This is uh, some great work. Um, this is from Dr. John Powell in his book, Why Am I Am Afraid to Tell You Who I Am. It came out in 1999. Actually, originally copyrighted, copyrighted in 1969. This is what Powell taught us about five levels of communication. Uh, very, very good stuff. Level five is cliche, it's non-sharing, and according to Powell, this level of communication represents the weakest response to the human dilemma of what it means to be human. And it's the lowest level of self-communication. You are saying virtually nothing about who you are at all. Level four is reporting the facts about others. It's okay to talk about somebody else because it's not such a threat to you you are willing to expose nothing about yourself, something about somebody else. We oftentimes hide behind cliche, so we also seek shelter in gossip items. We seek shelter in conversation pieces and little narrations about other people because it feels safe to do that. 
Level three is I begin to be willing to disclose my ideas and judgments. I'm beginning to share what I think is what Powell is arguing. And he says, particularly a woman, now remember a woman, because of her brain, can read facial cues far better than a male. Far better. And so a woman might start to open up her heart after a fight, maybe. It's gonna take a lot of time. And as she's starting to share a little more personal information, guess what she's doing to your face, guys? Well, she is reading the cues. She is reading the signs. She wants to know if you're serious about an intimate conversation, an honest, transparent, vulnerable conversation. And the minute she spots that you're not, she's going to pull back, and she'll pull it back up to a safer level of talking about somebody else or some other thing that has nothing to do with her heart. She will retreat to a safe place. Level two, feelings or emotions, now we're getting personal. You're actually sharing some stuff on the inside, things that most clearly differentiate and individuate me from others are emotions. Those things I uniquely feel, things that make me profoundly angry, or things that make me profoundly happy, are things that make me me. And when you start talking at that level, you're getting down to who you are. You're moving toward that. We're becoming emotionally transparent. And level one is complete emotional and personal communication. It's sharing essentially who you are, all deep and authentic friendships, and especially the union of those who are married, must be based on absolutely uh, uh, open and honest conversation. Okay? This is serious, serious stuff. And we as Christians, by the way, could comment, uh, when you wake up in the morning and you see your parents, you know, do you start at level one? No. <laughs> it might be level five, or it might be total silence, you know. Whether your best friend, your spouse, your parents, your children, nobody starts, starts off at level one. It's, it's a scale that's, that is fluid, and you move up and down on that scale. Even in a given day, or even in, within an hour, you move up and down on that scale. Okay, so uh, let's, let's work through this. What about followers of Jesus living at his esteem? What if, what if the male and the female, uh, Chris, can you get the AC going? It's getting way too warm in here. What if the male and the female um, really gave their hearts to Christ? And what if they were going to live at that esteem and know that they're safe in Christ and they can begin to communicate in healthy ways. What if they followed the way of Jesus? What would that look like? Well, here's some things. This is the Jesus way for singles and for those who are married and for family. This is Matthew 5, 33 to 37. Again, you have heard that the ancients were told, you shall not make false vows, but shall fulfill your vows to the Lord. But I say to you, make no oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is the footstool of his feet, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you make an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. But let your statement be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything beyond these is of evil. Matthew 12. But I tell you that every careless word that people speak, 
They shall give an accounting for it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. What we say has profound implications. So if we are going to follow the way of Jesus, if we are going to seek to uh, communicate effectively as singles with our mom and dad, as singles with friends, or potentially boyfriend or girlfriend, if we're going to communicate effectively, it's really good to start here in the way of Jesus. You need to learn to be a man or a woman of integrity so that your yes means yes and your no means no. Okay. Can I just get this out here real quick? Lying damages relationships. Lying just hurts because lying at its core takes away one of the most important pillars of a good relationship, and that is called trust. Okay? If you can't trust somebody, it's going to be very difficult to build a meaningful relationship with them. Very difficult. It's hard to trust a liar, right? We might have empathy for them. We might have compassion. We might even understand. We might even kind of get our brains in gear and go, you know what? It makes sense to me why you lied. But the fact is you're still not a truth teller. And I can give my heart with confidence and security to a truth teller. I can't do that with a liar. And in that relationship, communication is going to bump up to level four and five and stay in the safe zone where I'm going to talk about cliche. What's up, dog? Nothing. What do you know? Nothing. Cheap talk that means virtually nothing. Or we're going to talk about other people and things because it's safe. Okay. So if you want to go the way of Jesus and you want your relationships to take depth, and you want to have meaning, you're going to have to be a man of your word. You're going to have to be a woman of your word. And your yes has to mean yes, and your no has to mean no. Anything that goes beyond that is of evil. It's like Proverbs. Where there are too many words, transgression is unavoidable. We start saying too much, we're going to get in trouble. Look at the way of Jesus in these scriptures here. Matthew 15. Some Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. And they complained about a great many things. Look at this, verse 8. Jesus, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching his doctrines, the precepts of men. Now the crowd heard Jesus bantering back and forth. He pulls the crowd aside and he says to them, Hear and understand. It is not what enters into the mouth that defiles the man, but what proceeds out of the mouth. This defiles the man. What's the point? Do you understand that what you say, your vocabulary, the concept, constructs, the things that you say, reveals what's inside of you? All right. This is the matrix. This is the place where we do relationships. From our heart, out of our mouth. That's the place where we do relationships. From our heart, out of the mouth. And when we say things that, that cut 
and shame and blame, we are doing tremendous damage in our relationships. And guess what? You can't say, well, I didn't mean it. (laughs) Yeah, you did, because what comes out of the mouth comes right from the heart. Yes, you did mean it. Now, maybe you spoke it in anger, but it's what's inside of you, and it did come out, and you've got to own it. Your yes has to be yes. Your no has to be no. I love Paul's words in Ephesians 4.29. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those here. James 3, and the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body. You can hear the brother of Jesus, James, echoing what Jesus said in Matthew 15, that out of the heart the mouth speaks. And it sets on fire the course of life and is set on fire by hell itself. Interesting. Let me remind you what Fortner said. That what is communication? It's the dialogue that we construct. It's the sharing of symbols and meaning regarding our emotions and our, what we understand, our values, and how we live in society. And I think, very importantly, the means by which we justify our behaviors. That's communication. And it comes from our hearts. Look at, let's just summarize this, the Jesus way. Let your statement be yes, yes, or no, no. Don't go beyond that, it gets into trouble. Matthew 12, by your words you'll be justified. By your words you're going to be condemned. Matthew 15, what proceeds out of the mouth, that defiles the man. Ephesians 4, let no unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth, from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for the building up, the construction of someone else's character according to the need of that moment so that uh, it will give grace to those who hear Because your mouth is that thing that can devile the whole body. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Look at these Proverbs. Boy, Proverbs is loaded up on communication wisdom. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise makes knowledge acceptable, but the mouth of fool spouts folly. A comment here, two comments. Just because it's in your head doesn't mean it should be said. Okay? Isn't that profound? Isn't that great? (laughs) That little chestnut? Just because it's in your head doesn't mean it should be said. Ladies and gentlemen. All right. Now how about this one? Just because it's what you feel doesn't mean it's real. Ah, now ladies, guess what? With your caudate nucleus, which is, which is a fascinating organ that, pro- that helps with learning processes and memory processes and actually works on past experience to advise present behavior like, hey, warning, we've been here before. I'm reading the facial cues. Things are getting dangerous. Let's back out of here. That's your caudate nucleus talking to you, okay? Ladies, you get a great caudate nucleus, all right? You've got a great ability to think unilaterally in your brain. Guess what? That means you have access to feelings that are very powerful, and that's a gift. It's not a license, and there's a big difference, (laughs) okay? It's a gift. It's an ability. It's not a license. 
to let your emotions run your life. Just because you feel it, does it make it real? Guys, just because something's rolling around in our head doesn't mean it needs to come out of our mouth. A fool utters all his mind. Okay? Proverbs 15, 23. A man has joy in an apt answer. And how delightful is a timely word. The wise in heart will be called understanding. And sweetness of speech increases persuasiveness. Sweetness of speech increases persuasiveness. The heart of the wise instructs his mouth and adds persuasiveness to his lips. Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. That is, by the way, the gentle answer that turns away wrath. That is the soft word that can break a bone. He who restrains his words has knowledge. And he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Just because we think it doesn't mean we have to say it. Like apples of gold in settings of, settings of silver is a word spoken in right circumstances. Okay, let's get real practical, all right? We're going to go the way of Jesus. Let's get real practical Effective communication, which does involve problem solving. Here's just an idea. You know, guys, you may be in the room and you're that 1 Corinthians 13 dude and you've got a list of wrongs suffered about that, long, about that long. And you've got some major problems with your mom and dad or with your best friends, your girlfriends, your boyfriends, you know, wherever, whatever you, you have in your relationships. And you're just that person with a list of wrongs suffered. Guess what? When you try to talk to somebody to work it out, you may have a thousand problems rolling around in your head and you're trying to talk to this person, you're overwhelming them. There is no way that that other person can handle a thousand of your issues at one time. You are much, much wiser in saying, we're going to work on one thing, just one thing, not a thousand things. And that's for the guy too. Work on one problem, solve it, and then work on the next. And don't let, a, you know, 20 years, 10, 20, 30, 40 years of pain become so overwhelming that you can't even solve one problem. By the way, that is some of the backstory. We don't know how to do good maintenance in our relationships, and we let things accumulate in these long lists of wrongs suffered for them. Let's get real practical. You want to have effective communication? Here you go. Here's the nuts and bolts. Number one, seek, whether it's your, your spouse, your parents, your siblings, your friends, seek influence. Seek to be influential. Because I'm telling you, winning an argument is not necessarily what it's cracked up to be. Proving your point. You might prove yourself accurate to use Andrea Lowry's material in her EC class. You might prove yourself to be accurate, but in terms of the relationship, you're profoundly ineffective. You may have won the battle, but you just lost the war. All right? <laughs> Seek influence. How do you do that? Here's a start and some stops. Start speaking I, me, or we, us, and not you, you. <laughs> when you talk and you, you're making it all about them, it's all about them, you're going to have an immediate breakdown in communication and a good relationship. Stop the use of absolutes. You always, you never... Well, that'll never happen, you know, and making these grand assumptions 
that you literally understand somebody else so well, you can judge them from the, from the moral high ground. No, you can't. Stop the absolutes. Stop manipulating and leveraging history. Uh, ladies, I'm not going to point a finger at you because guys can do the very same thing. But, ladies, because of your brain wiring, it's a gift, it's not a license. Your hippocampus and your caudate nucleus work together to process memories. The female brain has the ability to remember emotionally charged data and store it in long-term <coughs> compartments far better than the male. You know what? I don't care if this is with your brother, your spouse, your dad, your best friend, it doesn't matter. You're gonna always have one up on the average guy when it comes to memory and emotional information. Always, all right? And because of that, it's guys are pretty easy pickings. You can leverage and manipulate the historical timeline and take the legs out from under guy just like that. You have that ability, okay? Just because your brain can do that doesn't make it a license, okay? Guys, stop weaponizing shame and blame. Stop weaponizing, ladies too. If you want to have a better relationship and you want to improve in communication, start speaking in I, me, or we, us. Stop the use of the absolutes. Stop manipulating and leveraging history. Stop weaponizing shame and blame. I realize, guys, for some of your, you left, you left hemisphere dudes out there, your need to be right is tremendous. Your egos and your left-brainedness your left-headedness, literally, and you add testosterone to the mix, you want to be right. One plus one is two. Forevermore, stop arguing about two. <laughs> There's the male brain in so many ways. You need to be right for your ego to feel good. I get it. I get it. That's a gift. It's not a license. Don't weaponize shame and blame because you think you can be accurate on a subject and your spouse, your daughter, your mom, your dad, your friends can't. I would beg you to pick the right time, place, and attitude to talk. That means you've had adequate sleep, adequate privacy can be attained, limited distractions, the kids aren't around, and the electronics are turned off. That's critical to good, to good communication. Again, talk when the forebrain is online if, uh, if the female is in a, a visceral state, she's in threat response, midbrain kicks up, fight or flight, forebrain <laughs> shuts down, she cannot talk. Same with the guy. I remember seeing a video of this uh, and forebrain functionality, and this cop pulled a guy over for speeding, and the man who has a major temper issue, real anger issues, which, by the way, which is totally destructive, the man got out of the car. The, the cop gives the ticket through the glass, and the guy is so mad, he's literally shaking. He has no fine motor skills, and he's trying to talk to the cop, and he can't, and he's squeaking. <laughs> it's, it's kind of funny, but he's trying to growl, and, and it ends up squeaking because he is so mad. The forebrain and those zones in the cortex that produce speech 
are offline. <laughs> They're not connected. The midbrain, he is in fight and flight mode, and he wants to tell that cop off like you can't imagine, and he literally can't even form words, right? When you're angry, you can't talk. Now, this presents a problem because the scriptures say in Ephesians 4, do not let the sun, what? Go down on your wrath, right? And so some people say, you know, uh, you know upon the... The, the marriage and the wedding vows that we, to make a healthy marriage, are going to make this vow. We will not go to bed until we clear up what's in our head and in our heart. And we get our problems worked out. All right. That is a fantastic commitment. Some couples do it really, really well. The problem is that sometimes anger, it, it just takes more time than a few hours to work out the anger issues. I'm going to advocate that if necessary, go ahead and get a good night's sleep or try to get a good night's sleep and try talking about it in the morning. I think there are occasions in which that's justified. I have a couple I've been working with for a while and it's, it's a comedic story in and of itself how difficult their marriage is. Uh, and it, it's almost like they have role reversal. He is highly, highly verbal and she is not, all right? And at 2 a.m. in the morning, he wants to talk about it again. And, and he, 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 won't, he won't stop badgering. And he's picking and picking and picking and picking. And the female is saying, look, I gotta get up at 5.30 to, to get ready to go to work and do my thing. You know, there's a time to not talk. Pick the right time, right place. Talk when the poor brain is online, like apples of gold and settings of silver is a word spoken in right circumstances. Let crisis team protect you from toxic emotions. You can never be reduced to a negative reaction by your spouse when you do that. See your parent, friend, spouse, child as a worthy object of the love and grace of God. This is very healthy. Just a couple more here. Practice attunement and focus its attention. Uh, attunement means you're going to do your best to feel the feelings and think the thoughts. You're going to try to get inside the story uh, of your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your mom. Try to understand your mom or dad. My daughter, Catherine, is very, very skilled at that. You know, Lisa and I are old and cranky and, and think all the world is out to harm our children. And so, we're, you know, we want to hire the you know, bodyguards to go with our kids everywhere and that kind of stuff. And so it's hard for us, even Catherine at 21, she's 21 a couple of days, to just, just let her go, you know. And so we say things that are so protective and it's a reflex in both of us. And you know what? She never throws that in her face because she gives us attunement. She understands where we're coming from. Say what you mean and mean what you say. Oh, my goodness. Speaking the truth in love is always the good and the right thing to do. Speak the truth in love. Mean what you say. It's a part of the yes, yes, no, no thing. What's the matter? It's obvious you're mad. Nothing. That, you know, I, I get it. Sometimes you don't want to talk, but say it. Say, you know what, I'm so mad right now, I really can't talk. Just say that. Don't go, nothing. Don't do the Cold War thing. Say, I can't talk right now. I'm too mad. Give me some time. We'll talk later today. Say it. it, it it's, not, it's not lethal. Everything in your head does not need to be said. Okay. Where there are many words, transgression is unavoidable. But he who restrains... His lips is wise. She who restrains her lips is wise. Okay. Learn to mean what you say 
and say what you mean. Uh, this is important, the last thing. Talk with the offending person and not your friends. I, doing the marriage counseling I have for 30 years, I have seen, I've got chapters and chapters and chapters of stories of women who are highly verbal and, and have that emotional integration. They have to talk to their girlfriends about how bad their husband is. I'm telling you, still, it'll happen this week, okay? <laughs> can pretty much bet on it. It's going to happen. And these women, they, they offload the heavy cargo of some pretty negative data about their husbands. And, they're, and what they're doing is they're shaming and blaming is what they're doing. And they're getting another female to join their side and join their cause is what's happening. Because if she can get the female friend to agree, oh, he did that. Oh, that's awful. Oh, I bet that hurt your feelings. Oh, it did. It was terrible. You know. And all of a sudden, they have this, their level one communication right now is what they're doing. They're going level one, and they feel so close at this point because now the two of them are both mad at that irresponsible knock-a-dragon male. <laughs> and they feel very good at that moment. But then they got to go back into the house, or they got to go back in and face mom and dad or their friends or work <coughs> colleagues that they've been gossiping about, and all of a sudden, it's harder now to restore that relationship, okay? There's a whole lot of wisdom in not talking to other people about a particular person. Now, this, this obviously, this is not about seeing a therapist or a counselor or, or those kinds of things. No, there's a time to do that, but remember, you're seeking people out who are part of the answer and not a part of the problem. And that's the big, big difference. So, all right, you're the gifted body of Christ. Maybe, maybe a comment, or rather a question is appropriate. But you know, boy, we're males and we are females. <laughs> and our brains work differently in how we communicate and how we think and how we feel. What are your thoughts? If we are gonna follow the way of Jesus and we're going to relate well as singles and as, as married persons and as moms and dads. What other insight do you have about making communication effective? Anybody? past the uh, 
this is how you are different from me. And if I can strip away the sin nature from that, I see this whole side of my God. Yeah. Yes. Um, That's very insightful, Edie. Instead of looking at that and going, well, that's bad because it's different. And we're going to get into that uh, on um, how to have a good fight with your spouse. Fair fighting. That'll be coming. How to have a how, just how to deal with conflict at home. I'm excited about that one. Um, but Edie, you're onto something. And you know what? My wife Lisa is flawed, and I need her. <laughs> and I'm flawed, and she needs me. So two flawed people, bumbling and stumbling and rumbling through this thing called life, and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ really need each other. Well, it's it's the whole iron sharpening iron. Absolutely. But I think gives us, for me, when you pause and you think about it, it, it just gives you great insight into what God, how, what God goes through with us. <laughs> yes. you know? And his patience are and magnified patience beyond. And, yeah, yes. and his mercy toward yes. us and his yes. patience in, in dealing, yes. dealing with that and just to yes. pause and, you know, because we say that to each other sometimes, just yeah. like, what God, there you go. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Someone else? Is there any value in disclosing yourself to higher levels of communication to someone who cannot respond? I'm sorry, say that again, please. So, you know, people can converse at the, you know, the fifth and fourth level. Right, right. Um, a very practical response is going to be uh, Dr. Gary Chapman, the five love languages, is very valuable. And, and I think this, this fellow, that, uh, this couple that is doing the seminar at Family Life, May 17, Your Love Style, it's, I've looked it over and it's very similar. It's kind of a new spin on that. It's very similar that our personality types and traits do play into how we communicate and, and how we love. All that being said, Andrea, there are all of us. I don't, I don't know that anybody, any couple in here, please help me if I miss this. Do we have any couples in here that have a perfect matching of their love styles or their, or their communication styles? Anybody? No? Well, it's not in my house. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you don't think he's about to raise his hand? I'm like, no, no, no. Don't, don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand, please. But it's all a shame. Don't do that, you know. It's like Jake. He's been showing uh, husbands of being, you know, being bad people for years ever since the TV show This Is Us came out, you know. Jake shaming husbands for years. Uh, I was going to, on what Andrew was saying, we, you've got to be an example to those that aren't there yet. So, like Daniel, honestly, he taught me how to argue. My... My whole thing was, I can't think about this. I'm checking out. I, I got to go. Avoiding, drive. avoiding. I, gotta go. I, can't, I can't talk about this. So I was on a level five, or level five when he was already on a level two. But luckily, I have an amazing husband who was very patient with me. And right. he, he taught right. me how to argue. So he was talking to me on that higher level. Yeah. When, and eventually I got there. We still have many moments where we both aren't on the same level. Sure. But sure. luckily, 
I'm, yeah. I was able to learn from him sure. speaking to me on the level I needed. Yeah, that's so good. And, and, and I, I think, Brad, I mean, the answer to the, the question is what's your relationship with that person? If it's a spouse or a friend or the, someone you're mentoring, something like that, then and there's, there's value in leading them being an example in that place. It's a coworker that you're gonna see at work passing the bathroom or the water cooler, but never again, then there's no, you don't gain anything by putting yourself out there. Yeah, if yeah. It's, if it's something, someone that you desire, have the opportunity, or, or if there's a deeper relationship there, then yeah. <coughs> yeah. Yeah. you have to very cautiously, I think, be that example that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. you have to be cautious with what information you yeah what level one and two information you you're willing you, to share you're willing to share but yeah. but yeah. I think that's mm-hmm. thank you Daniel um, some of it Chris is I think there are people I, in fact I know there are people who really they can't. They're totally incapable of because mm-hmm. we have mm-hmm. one in our family. Um, but I think there are so many people who never learned growing up that, or, or have had things happen to them that they are so terrible. They have hardened their heart themselves to, to sharing anywhere down the chain of communication that, you know, just what they were saying, that I think we do, we sometimes give them a say to, say to them by sharing our heart, um, we communicate to them, it's okay. It's okay to share on a deeper level. Um, and, and they do learn from us. But a lot of, t- for me, one of the big struggles over my younger life was this, bearing my heart and having an expectation of the other person's response. <clears throat> and it really wasn't until I, I became, I saw my worth in Christ and I, I began to learn that what he thought of me was really all that was important. Mm. That I, I, I could, got where I could share my heart without expecting that other person all the, all the time. And that's not to say I still don't, you know, I, I'm human, I get my feelings hurt. But a lot of times it's easier, for, it's easier for me now to bear my heart. And I'm not talking about gory details of your life that somebody can turn around and use as ammunition against you, but just the bearing of your feelings and not, and not take offense or, or be totally hurt by that other person's response to that. Yeah. Yeah, and that's where Christ's esteem kicks in, isn't it? So because the hour is already so late, let me summarize Andrew with this. I would concern myself with two things. Is there a culture of abuse, child abuse? And is there a present culture of anger? If there is a present culture of anger with a history of child abuse, the given, the, that given person will be incapable of communication. That's, that's a major issue. When you look at the scriptures, particularly Proverbs, no one can stand in front of anger. It, it, it is like the number one relationship destroyer. A hot-headed male can do more to damage his marriage and kids than anything. Hot-headed female, same thing. By the way, if you go back to what Anderson reported in his research, that 
all marriages should be fought for, all divorce avoided at all costs with one exception. Do you remember? Unresolvable emotional violence. And at that point, you got to shut it down. Yep. Assuming, now we are Christians. Anderson is not. As Christians, we believe God can heal and overcome that. And yes, that can, that can be the case. But as one who had both of those conditions, I will say this, we can't give up trying because if Leah had just given up because I was angry from the abuse that happened in my yeah. childhood, we would... We would not have a marriage now. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. Carla? Just one quick thing. You really have to teach yourself to think before you talk. <laughs> and I have not mastered it at all. Thank you, Carla. I say things and I will think, why did I ever say that to that person? I shouldn't have said that. Yeah. That's a discipline you have to teach yourself. And I guess that's your midbrain taking over. Absolutely. Yes. It's like going to the gym, huh? You've got to exercise that muscle to think before you speak. Yeah. And so what does James chapter 1 say? I want all of you to be what? Quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Absolutely. Let me pray for you all. Father, I want to thank you so much for the way you've shown grace this morning and the, the, the wisdom that Carla shared. Thank you for her. Um, Abba Father, would you please help us to communicate, to speak wholesome words and let them come from our, our mouth, which comes straight from our heart, so that we can build up our, our moms, our dads, our siblings, boyfriends, girlfriends, spouse, children, and it can give them grace. You can actually take our words and put grace in them, and it can give grace to those who hear what we say. Help us to communicate that way, please. Thank you that the esteem of your son protects us and gives us the ability to be truth tellers with confidence. And we can have our yes is yes and our no is no. And we can be men and women of integrity. Thank you so much for the good grace you show us. In Jesus' name, amen.